Hi, you're listening to the Flow State Fishing Podcast. What do you mean? There's fucking two Sheilas in the boat. <laughs> Listen to me. Every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hustle & Grind Coffee from Flow State Productions. High quality coffee, roasted fresh, delivered to your door, subscription services available, save 10% each product you subscribe to, cancel any time, get it delivered fortnightly, get it delivered monthly, get as much coffee as you want, get to www.flowstateproductions.com.au. The podcasts are on there, there's a bit of other content on there, we've got some more roast cooking, we've got some more products cooking, the website's going to grow as we grow, go have a sniff. We're also brought to you by Rod Armour. High quality protection for your rods and reels, as well as like, what else is there? There's fucking hook wraps, hook keepers, you got your reel armour, your rod socks. I use them, heaps of other people use them. They're great quality, great local company, great dudes. www.rodarmour.com, at Rod Armour on Instagram, Rod Armour on Facebook, obviously. Get around them, show them some support. They're doing great things in the fishing industry. And we are brought to you by Evertread. Versatile, non-slip, anti-fatigue, foam decking, flooring, matting, whatever you want to call it. Adhesive-backed, great for the marine industry, boat cast decks, esky lids, leisure industry, transport industry, you name it, like there's an application for it. Multiple colours, multiple textures, Australian company, couple of mobs that distribute it have CNC machines and digitising pens, so the possibilities of design and, and customization are endless. Get around them, www.evertread.com.au, Evertread on socials. Let's get to the podcast. Like, it doesn't cut through. More mids. <laughs> That's quite heavy. More mids. <laughs> One of my friends who was this uh, Indian bloke used to be like a sound engineer. And we always felt like the only thing he ever said, more mids, more, more mids. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I get some people that are really like intense voice and they're just talking at a normal volume and you've got to crank the gain right back. Yeah. Otherwise it just keeps peaking out the audio. Oh, <laughs> totally. It's just like so much highs in their voice. <laughs> We're live, by the way. Rock and roll. <laughs> We're here. So, so we don't need like an official, <clears throat> thanks for having me on the show. No, I don't do that, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I normally just roll just in. Just done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome. No. Um, so we're here with Josh Hutchins, aka or more so known as Aussie Flyfisher. How's it going, man? <laughs> I feel like we've just been official now. <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> Welcome, Flow State Productions. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. I thought I'd squeeze in a podcast. Um, bit of background. I bumped into well you put a story up I think was how it all started yeah you put a story up and I was like oh Josh is in North Queensland gotta catch him on the way back down south just uh slowly making our way yeah not really any agendas at the moment Mm. um snuck into Queensland in time and had some good fishing was about to fly home and then saw that they'd closed the New South Wales border again. So <laughs> you got stuck here. I thought, well, I'm not going to board that flight to Sydney. I'll just hang on a bit and see what happens. Kick back a few days. Because um, you came back from Weeper. Yeah, yeah. So I had a really cool trip up there. Um, I caught up with a guy, Ben Bright. Not so. Most <laughs> it's the people best thing to handle ever. It is, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, it was a bit of a, a trip. It was just last minute. I think he had a client cancel. He was going to go camping and try and catch a few fish. And I was chatting to him a few days before, and he was like, come up if you got the time. And I was like, I've got the time. I'm coming. And uh, we made a bit of a rough plan. Yeah, just, I mean, I said I'd like to catch a big anic. I've caught some anic permit before, but I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to get a sizable creature. And so we sort of, yeah, he was like, yeah, that should happen. And... <laughs> It was just a good week. Like, Five fish later. Oh, totally. Like we had um, just, yeah, the, the weather wasn't super ideal. Like we had plenty of cloud, plenty of wind, a little bit of rain. But just being flexible too. Like you get up there, sun was shining, you go and hit the flats. If the clouds came over, we'd go and look for some tuna or head up one of the rivers, chase some barra. And yep. it just seemed to be one of those weeks where every plan B was a pretty good one as well. That's good. Um, yeah, like the perms were good. Uh, we landed six. Um, and we hooked, I think we hooked probably 10, um, dropped a few. But, yeah, with the amount of sunlight we had, I, I thought it was pretty good going. We saw some really good fish. And it looked half cloudy most of the time you were there, hey? Yeah, yes. I think it's just one of those years where the, the weather's just, I don't know. In, in, in the past, I feel like you'd say, oh, this is the dry season. You're not going to yeah. have any clouds. The wind's going to be up. Yep but you can deal with it. Whereas the last couple of years, it just seems all over the place. Um, it's weird, hey, I wonder if I'd done a little bit of digging and I heard, I read that it was a, it's a transition period between El Nino back to La Nina. Yeah, okay. Um, and La Nina is wet, traditionally wetter yeah. in the mid-year period, but doesn't come around as often as El Nino, yeah. which is why you get longer periods of drought and shorter periods of rain. That, that's probably the case. Like the last La Nina, I remember, because uh, for us in the south, the La Nina is really good for, I feel, for the freshwater fish because it typically uh, you know, sends more rain west and, and, and the trout streams, Murray Cod, all the lakes fill up and, and we have good fishing. And, and I think sort of 2009, 10, 11 maybe was La Nina. Yep. And then we've had little, you know, spurts of rain in between then and now, but overall it's been... I feel the last 10 years has been really, really mm. dry. Um, and, and, you know, before we hit February this year, I would say those past two years have been the driest ever. Yeah. Um, and saw a lot of rivers dry up that have never dried before. And, yeah, but now I guess we've seen a lot of rain. Sydney's getting a lot of rain every month and things are starting to fill up. We just, some of those Murray Cod streams, it's a bit of a shame. Has that affected your, oh, I suppose the bushfires did? Yeah, I mean, we've had a shocker of a year in terms of um, just natural disasters and everything else, you know. Yeah. Drought, then fires, then epic floods that came immediately after those fires. Yeah. And then COVID. And, you know, from a business point of view, for us, particularly with our local fishing, that was tough. And I know COVID's definitely been one of those things where it's uh, thrown a lot of curveballs. But for some reason for us, I feel like it's affected us less than... Um, the fires, the, the floods and the drought. Yeah. Uh, we've probably had the busiest winter we've ever had for our local guiding just because everyone's contained to their states. Yep. And New South Wales you know, still has good fishing over the winter for particularly trout fishing. Yeah. Uh, so we've been able to take a lot of people trout fishing out of Sydney and around the state. And So yeah, there's always some sort of positive to the negative. Yeah. Um, has all the, um, the rain and stuff you've been having affected the fish stocks? Yeah, like I think, I mean, our rivers and everything are looking great at the moment. There's just some that, if you didn't know the history that six months ago they were bone dry, you'd think, wow, look at this amazing river. It's, yeah. it's going to be producing lots of fish. But 
unfortunately some of those rivers did dry up but at the same time you know we kept pretty close tabs on what where the fish survived what's going to be good into the new season yep. and that sort of thing like we do a lot of Murray cod fishing all over the state up in New England sort of out west from Sydney there even down south where Mickey one of our guides is based there so around Canberra yeah. down to Tumut and um, yeah so, some areas got affected whether it be by the drought or the fires um, but others did okay you know they're a pretty hardy fish and Yep. And, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a really good season for us. I can see I don't like the COVID scenario, but I can't change it. So we've been yeah. pretty flexible. Um, and we've got a lot of good options available for, you know, particularly with our local guiding with the trout and the Murray cod for fly fishermen to come out locally and fish. And there's plenty of people that would normally go overseas that are <coughs> going nowhere this year. Yeah. Um, being in New South Wales, we're close to a lot of our clientele, um, highly populated states. So. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Like, you know, normally we do a lot of trips for clients as well, whether it be like Mongolia, Argentina, South Pacific, New Zealand. Yeah. And yeah, like I, you know, I'm very realistic. I know we're not doing them for quite a while. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yep. But at the same time, you know, like we, we always put a lot of effort into Australia as well, like New South Wales and even this last few weeks has been a great chance to check out a few things up in Queensland that yeah. I haven't had a chance to do before. And, and I mean, I've seen... You know, I don't say this from any sort of boastful point of view, but I've seen a lot of the world's fishing, and I feel like as a whole, Australia is very top tier what we have available. There's a lot of people that would agree with you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you can market anywhere to look amazing, and a lot of places are really good, but in terms of variety and just that level of um, not being fished that much, Australia yeah. is really good. Yeah. Like, for a fly fisherman... Um, you know, which I put out there is kind of all I do. Like, yep. we've seen a lot of different countries and, and fly fished in them, and, and I think Australia is incredible. Like, yeah. you know, that trip up to Weeper a week or so back, yep. that's as good as it gets. Like, you know, if people say, globally, if you want to catch a permit, I reckon, you know, places like Cape York and Wessel Islands and that, I, I've not seen better. Really? And I've fished some pretty cool other places yep. too. Like, all those other places are awesome because we can easily hype up the fact that we're flying a long distance to get to somewhere and suddenly that seems more appealing yeah. to the people that are watching you go and do it or or whatever. But Australia has really good fishing. It's yeah. just, yeah. Um, yeah, like that was an amazing trip. Like I really just want to get back up to Cape York and fish. It looked epic. Again. It looked absolutely, even where you camped and stuff, like it looked really, really cool. Totally, just totally. And I think a lot of that just gets glazed over too. People are like, oh, you're on a mothership or you're in an amazing lodge, which no discredit to either of those options they're mm. both great but in australia you know we go camping i love that whole raw experience <laughs> like that it's the whole encompassing thing of that raw experience and stuff mm. of yeah of your camping and everything like it makes the, the it rounds out the trip i think oh definitely like, and I'm, if you're someone that you know is going to lose your mind because you've got a couple of grains of sand on your feet when you get into your sleeping bag at night might not be for you yeah but yeah but if you like a proper adventure and, mm. and you get out there like you go to sleep with the fishing right there, you wake up and immediately fishing's yeah. there too. Like, it's pretty cool Even stuff. like that catch and cook, like you ate that mangrove jack on that trip mm. on your stories. Like, that's just epic. Yeah. Like, but a lot of people have a, a deep appreciation for that catch and cook stuff, oh. like catch your dinner type thing. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, what did we eat? We had a, I mean, um, not so was laughing because, you know, I wanted to be on the flats and there's... The flats fish aren't usually like the pinnacle of the eating fish. Yeah. You, you want to get a bar or a jack or something else that you might find in the river a bit further out. And um, 
So I think the first night we were like, crap, we didn't catch anything to eat, so we better eat the one pair of steaks we brought. Um, and then so we were quickly into like, we've got to eat, catch to survive mode now. Uh, so I think With then, fly rods. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard yeah. task. Well, I think then the next day, you know, there were just queenies <laughs> everywhere. And I mean, it's, it's a fish that I guess people don't eat that much, but a, a queenie curry or, um, you know, the ceviche, what do they call the... Um, namus. 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 Like yeah, like, I mean, that goes yeah. all right. Uh, we did a queenie curry that night. That was good. I like queenie in Trevally. Like, if you marinate it heavily and stuff and, like, mm. skewers or something like that, I think yeah. it's quite reasonable. Oh, totally. And um, Especially when it's fresh. Yeah, yeah. What do we have for that? Well, then, actually, the next day, I think that was when Notso got that 17-kilo long tail. Um, Yum. Literally just woke up, a few birds busting out. We could see him from camp. You know, light's not high yet, so yeah. we're like, let's go and get some tuna. And these were pretty small mackies, like, I don't know, three kilo yep. sort of specimens. And and then this dolphin goes past and Ben's like, pretty sure they had a huge long tail on the back. So we went and had a look for it again. He's like, yeah, cast, bang. Like, what? Oh, that was, I mean, that fish just didn't want to give up. Like an hour later, this 17 kilo long tail. On what, like a nine weight or something probably? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cooked. Just went on forever. <laughs> but I mean, we ended up, you know, we uh, we ate that. We had some chitterloin steaks one night and we had... <laughs> Um, you know, a bit of sashimi the day after. It was better then. And, <laughs> That's epic. And then I think, yeah, I mean, even the jacks, hey, like we went up one of the rivers in a bit of a cloudy time of the day and and just pulled up on this sort of snag with a bit of current. And it just would have been a jack of cast for about 20 cars, just one after another. And then the barras sort of, I don't know if they weren't there or we just started they to let it sink on. a bit more. They turned on yeah. and then they started coming on. And, and I mean, they were good-sized jacks, like sort of, 35 to low 40s kind of thing. Yeah, like decent. Lots Bloody of those hell. sort of fish and, yeah, so a few of them made it for dinner and, yeah, so it, it was good. We, we That's did. like got like a 96 centimetre barrel fly, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, so I mean that was the last day. We got up and a little bit of swell had come in and that kind of um, messed up the flats a bit that day and, and it was our last day, like a bit of a half day anyway, so he was like, oh, let's try this other river on the way back. Yep. Just cruised up, first little corner there, I reckon he's third cast. Just this 96 centimetre barra comes out, wallops the fly, and he got another one, probably mid-80s, and dropped another one mid-80s, and we caught a bunch of other two, other ones up there as well. And That's unreal. So I was just like, here's a place where just every A, B, and C option is delivering good fish. That's like, epic. Even, I mean, one of the days we just stuck it out on the flats, even though the clouds were heavy, and there were just, like, droves of Golden Valley, Like, yep. good fish, like four or five kilo, the odd six kilo Goldie. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming past in schools of 50, 100, 200, 300 fish. Yep. And, I mean, you can see that in the worst of life. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just thought, I've just not seen that in many other parts of the world where, you, you know, flats fishing is normally where you psych yourself up for a couple of shots yeah. and you've, you don't want to have that guy that needs to have a bent rod all the time with yeah. you on the boat because he's just going to be annoying as heck for the day. Yep. And you psych yourself up for a day where you might catch a fish or a yeah. couple of nice fish. You just fish. want to sit there and stare at a flat all yeah. day and there's still that one opportunity. Oh, totally. Yep. It was up there. It was just, you know, lots of opportunity at fish and, and different things. you got some big on. queenies too, hey? I think yeah, I think. plenty yeah, of queenies kicking queenies. around up the rivers, on the flats. Like That's anywhere awesome. there was a little, um, you know, bit of a sandbar with a drop-off, they were waiting to murder whatever came over. And, yeah, that's epic. <laughs> um, and we did see, a, did see a really big jeet, actually. It was probably about 30-kilo jeet on the flat. But um, it was 
sort of that scenario where it was a bit too late, turned around. Yeah, and he was they come up so fast. Oh. Like they're up on the flat, murder everything in front of them, and then back off the flat, gone. Well, this one was probably even worse. It was the opposite. It was on the back of a um, shovely. Oh, really? And we're both facing, you know, one direction, looking for where the perms have been coming from and stuff. Yeah. And someone obviously just in their, um, Benny in his peripheral looked over and he's like, huh, huge GT at the back of the boat. He's like, that thing's got to be 30 kilos just on the back of the shovel. And I threw a crab in front of it because that's all I had in my yeah. hand. The boat, it kind of revved up, looked at it, but, it, you know, they see the boat and they get yeah. that weird sort of like, yeah, don't know what to do. Don't know what to do now. I mean, that would have been a long fight on that. <laughs> on, on a that rig. On a night weight with, what, 30 pound or 20 no, pound? No, I just would have had 20 pound on it at the oh, time. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it's been, well, it's been a bit of an adventure, actually. I, like, I literally just stopped in Cairns after that, after I read the news, and then um, had a little chopper trip with um, Rory Brooks out of Cairns there. He's, he's a legend. He's a legend. And, um, I mean, that was cool. Like, we were hoping to find some barra, and we kind of flew in on some pretty nice weather, and then that night, sort of rainy, cold mm. drizzle came in, which stayed there the entire Couple two and a half days until we flew out again. Um, like, yeah. not long after it dropped us off in the chopper, I, I saw a barrow and it was sitting right up in this, like, mossy weed. I was like, is that dead? Is stuff growing <laughs> around it? But then I realised it just must have been the warmest point in the pools. So I was sitting there. Yeah. And I threw a fly in front of it and I ate it and I just missed it. And I was like, oh, it's so good. We'll find others. I was like, damn it, I really should have got that picture. <laughs> yeah, because it was... <laughs> Super blase. Massive, massive temperature drop and stuff, hey? He's got a heap of sooties, though. Yeah, the sooties were cool. And the country was amazing. I've never seen so many big crocs either in my life. Like, you know, I mean, Rory's current, you know, probably treat me like a proper southerner. But anyone with their right mind up there is like, this is dicey. Wow, look at the amount of crocs here. And we're walking through swampy long grass. Isn't it crazy how high they are? Oh. Like how they get up there. Totally. Like people give you that impression where they're like, no, nah, mate, you got a rapid below you, you're fine. I was like, if you no. took that into this river, you'd be dead. <laughs> 100%. There's some monsters up there, hey, up where you went. Oh, totally. It's like crazy. there was one in this pool we'd seen from the chopper that was probably like a four metre specimen, like a big croc. And then there were a couple others in the pool as well because... You know, we got the big fire going there at night and just before you go to bed, you, you shine the spotlight over the water and I can see a set of croc eyes, another set, and then I was like, oh, yeah, and I sit around the fire a little bit more. I'm just about to get into bed and I shine and I notice that the croc had crossed onto our side of the river. Like, it was in the water, but I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to dwell on my mind all night. <laughs> sit there all night, like, in bed awake, waiting for it. Yeah, I totally did. Like, on the second night I woke up, there was something rustling around our camp, like, underneath my hammock. And I was like, Rory, you awake? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I was like, you reckon there's, can you see under my hammock? What? I'm just picturing this monstrous croc being there. I was like, oh. Oh, dad, dad. Oh, no, totally felt like that. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to look. I didn't even want to unzip it. That's awesome. And then made your way down to Early. Yeah, so I think um, obviously we caught up with you in Townsville there and. Had a brunch. And thought we'd uh, come down to early, so we had a bit dangle of a... the carrot, and here I am. Yeah, <laughs> <Every> exactly. That's <laughs> no, good. We've, um, yeah, like quite often when you do trips, it's fairly agendered. You know, you, you're mm. like, oh, we're flying here, we want to do this, this, and this, and we leave on that day. So actually, to have little spells like this is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, where we're just taking each day as it comes. A couple of the boys. I mean, it's pouring rain in early today. 
couple of boys have gone up to the dam to try and find some barra <laughs> and, you know, bless their hearts, I yeah. hope they get one. I hope Mickey gets I really hope Mickey gets one on top water. I like on a yeah. top water fly of some description. Yeah. yeah not, they're not going to be able to see anything because it's so overcast, but oh, yeah. it'd be epic if they, if they got one. Yeah. It'd be so cool. Oh, totally. And I'm, you know, like I'm thinking I'll probably hang around till mid next week and I've got to get home and catch up with um, my kitties and, and my wife and, yeah, so a, a nine-day trip turned into like three and a half weeks so I eventually want to get back and I didn't even bring I mean I brought enough gear with me but even when we did that camp out I was like thankfully it was freezing the morning I left Sydney because I threw a jacket in just to wear to the airport yeah lucky you had it so I had a jacket but so many I mean I'm super well equipped for all sorts of camp outs yeah but I just had none of that stuff with me for this trip <laughs> so I was like oh man but I mean it, I guess it you know you can get it done pretty simple yeah as well yeah Oh, I don't know, you get bitten by mosquitoes pretty hardcore. Or oh. midges or whatever. Yeah, I, I am a mozzie magnet. <laughs> well, we went out, um, looked for some tuskies with uh, uh, Maddie. I actually sent him a text and invited him to come and do a podcast. Oh, yeah. He said he was too busy. <laughs> I don't know what doing. He's, I think his mum's visiting. Oh, yeah, he's um, been a good boy. Been a good family man. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, hey? Like, we're just very few fish on the flats. Like, I don't know if it was just too close to the moon... Or, I mean, the flats were a little dirty, like big tides. Um, we saw one big tusky that was just lit up and feeding and, and, you know, Mickey had a shot at it and came over, was on it, and then one of the little turd burger tuskies got in there. Those little first. brown dogs. Yeah. <laughs> they ruin everything. The amount, oh. of, the amount of shots you have and one of them comes out, like you think you've got the eat in like a semi-murky sort of water yeah. and you think you've got the eat and you set the hooks and then it sort of does nothing. Yeah. And you just reel in this little wet sock. Oh, I know. Oh, I've seen that so many times with triggers too. It's like yep. stolen by a little emperor or a little bluefin or something <laughs> like <rubs>. that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the, we've done the tusky thing with Maddie out there before. Um yeah, it's it's a really cool fish too, hey. Like it's it's a proper make you cry and yep. They either like leave you wanting. <laughs> I think so. I've been dusted a couple of times. Excuse me. They're either on or off. I found like they're mm. really like hyper spooky, or they just you can do the most shittest cast within <laughs> a three meter radius and they'll come over and eat it. Mm. Like that's the two styles of yeah. attitude that they have. Oh no, I agree. And I think sometimes you just find fish that maybe haven't been on the flats or haven't been mm. targeted that much and then you find other fish that have had, you know, a bit of attention or yeah. something like that. Like, But I agree, like, um, I mean, I've mostly chased them here and up in the Wessels mm. um, and, I mean, the Wessels ones, I mean, I find actually all Tuskies, if they're not in that spooky mode, as you say, they're super wheeling. Yeah. Normally they don't follow your fly and then piss off, they follow it and eat it. Yeah, like, they sort of just... As soon as they hear the plop in the water, they go ah, and like yeah. flare up and go yeah. looking around and then headbutt the dirt to yeah. try and get it in their gob. Oh, they have unreal eyes too. Like yeah. they definitely, I mean, I, I think, say, blue bastards, I think they have, I'm convinced they have terrible eyes. They're blind. Yeah, or well, not blind, but I just but, think they're, you know, the amount of times with the blue bastard you can throw a fly so close to them and just feed the fly like 30 times to them and then they're just like, oh yeah, wow, eat. I don't know why that is. But it took them a long time to get to that point. Like, yeah. I've never, I've never cast at them or even yeah. proper, proper seen them or anything, because I don't know. But that's, I've heard that a lot, that they just like fully don't acknowledge the existence of a fly in the vicinity. Yeah. And then sometimes they just go, ooh, eat. Yeah. And it seems, it almost, I don't know, like, because some days it seems like they're all in that mood and then, 
I mean, other days I've seen them just hop on it straight away. And Do you reckon the presentation makes that much of a difference or you can just keep casting the same fly until it clicked? Yeah, like, I definitely know plenty of scenarios where people have just thrown the same fly and it just eventually clicks. Yep. I, I kind of think you just read any fish, you know. If, if I feel like they've very much acknowledged that fly and they rejected it, that's typically my Key to change. thought to change. Yep. Um, like, I can think of a blue bass up in the Wessels. Uh, one of the guys was casting it time and time again, and I just felt like the fish was distracted. He was constantly tailing. He wasn't travelling far from his little spot. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of gave up with it. And I was like, I think you just got to plonk it on him, man. And he eventually just got one right on it. I reckon the fly just sunk right down its body line as it was tailing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, eat. <laughs> and I mean, he'd thrown that at it so many times. And you would yep. have assumed that the vicinity of the fly, it would have been seen. Mm -hmm. But just eventually, like, plonking it right on its head got it done. That's ridiculous. But sometimes you're scared to do that straight away because you think, am Spooky. I going to blow my shot? Yeah. Um, I've, I've gotten like that now. I just, like put it reasonably close and hope for the best. And if it yeah. spooks, it spooks. Because I've just been sick of doing my head in, like permit especially. Just, oh, totally. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. If, it's, if it's hungry, it'll eat it. Yeah. Like, what was the scenario when you got your perms? That was, um, the first one was, oh, we fished all day on the first day. Um, and then the first push of the tide, jumped out of the boat, went for a walk. And... We were running out of light to be able to cast, mm -hmm. almost looking into the sun. Yeah. And then Mick goes, there's there's some fish. Like, you just see the sickles. Mm -hmm. They were, like, just under the surface. Yeah. And um, I was that trip was ridiculous because I'm no, I'm no great caster or have a huge knowledge of fly, but I was pulling casts out of my ass. all these, like, <laughs> magic casts. I laid this cast perfect, and I'm pretty sure the fish ate it before it hit the bottom. Yeah. Because I looked, literally took up tension and then just waited, slowly taking up tension for it to hit the bottom and then ate. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, it happened. It happened. I was just standing there going, what's happening now? Like, yeah. Because I've had a multiple shots at permit before, um, not at that location, but around the place. Yeah. And I've just become numb to being offended by them anymore. <laughs> like, I've just been like, whatever. Yeah. I'm just going to keep laying them on your nose and if you don't eat, then yeah. that's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. That one ate and landed it and then... Um, the second one happened on the next day. The next morning, Mick, we were cruising along. We saw multiple permit at this place. Um, had a few shots here and there, but no really legitimate shots. And then saw this school of permit. It was actually a funny story. There's a school of permit and like a metre plus queenfish sitting beside them in this sand whoop. We pulled up and <laughs> I was, no, I lied. Sorry, I'm going to step too far. Before that, Mick's permit. I just saw this little tiny moon from a really far distance yeah. over the... Um, I the get, moon's such a good indicator. Yeah, and I wasn't sure what it was. I just saw this little subtle flash. And I was like, Mick, I'm pretty sure there's a fish there. Um, gave him a rough direction of where to cast. He laid the cast and it sunk over the back of the sand whoop so he couldn't see the fly. And then the fly comes over the top of the sand whoop and the next minute it's this little permit like going... Doo -doo 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 -doo, following along, <laughs> tipped and ate. So good. So he got that and then... Later that day is when we saw the school and the metre plus queenfish and it was my shot. Um, I had a couple of shots at them, weren't quite spot on. And then I just ended up laying one just before the school, led the school a bit and half the school split onto my fly. Hmm. And the queenfish was there and Mick was standing over me with a brush fly on a 12 weight going, <laughs> as soon as you hook up, if you hook up, I'm casting at this queenfish. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, strip, strip, slow strip, bang, got one. He laid the cast at the queenie and spooked. And then I've hooked the permit, 
rah rah fighting. I jumped in the water for photos and all that sort of stuff. Jumped in the water, went to land it, and the permit school came back. <laughs> and they, yeah, just they do follow each other a lot. It was Even crazy. the big ones do that. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah, the permit school came back, and then um, Mick's like, "Don't move, don't move." So I'm holding on to this permit by the tail, just sitting there waiting. And um, Mick's cast at this permit school, like literally over my head. The fly line was just sort of over my shoulder, <laughs> and he's leading it. And I watched the thing eat from about three or four meters in front of me. <laughs> what? And he ate, set the hooks, and then fought it, and then pulled hooks. Yeah. Well. But we were like seconds away from doubles. It was epic, <laughs> absolutely epic. But um, one thing I didn't realise was. Um, after talking to you, they're annex. Yeah, yeah. Like it's. I guess we've talked a little bit about that annex block eye blotchy situation. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard one. I think. Like I do believe there's quite a few indicators, but probably one of the easiest for people to see, particularly with those when they're a bigger fish, much easier. You know, the annex got that full snub. Yeah. Big straight nose. Forward. Kind of forward thing going on. Um, but when they're smaller, can be harder. And I, I think. If they've got full fins and it's a short sort of stubby fin, it's mm-hmm. an anic. If they're long, like really long, it yeah. looks awkwardly long. Um, sickles, mm. they're a, they're a blotchy. Yeah, slightly different like coloration too. And yeah, yeah. yeah. The anics seem to be. I, I feel the anics have a much more clean yellow fin. Yeah, okay. And I feel like uh, the blotchies have a a bit more of a burnt orange yeah. edge to them. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was even up in the Cape the other week, you know, those big fish, there's just no denying what they are. They're no. And it, but then we found a school of smaller ones and, and Ben was really excited to catch a small one because he just said, you don't normally see small ones here. That's hilarious. Yeah. He sounds and, like a super casual dude too. Yeah. And, and because it was a bit smaller, it had that more rounded nose. It almost didn't look anarchy. But its fins were 100% not... Um, not lot, sick, like, like... Not super long. Long sickles. Awkwardly long. Yeah, it was crazy. Mm. And, uh, like I thought, like all those fish we were seeing, they were all probably annex, basically. Yeah, and, and I, I believe overall, like, um, I mean, I'm not a fish biologist or whatever, I'm just going by having seen a few in different places and whatever. Yep. I believe overall um, annex tend to like that more estuary-based system. Yeah. Um, yeah, you quite often find them around the river mouths or the internal bay estuary mm. scenario. Whereas the blotchies seem to be a bit more oceanic. Yeah, I've seen countless blotchy diving yeah. at the reef and stuff, like schools of thousands of them. Definitely, yeah. Like up in the Wessels, like um, out in the Great Barrier Reef, all that, you tend to find mm. out on those outer islands, the cleaner water, um, a bit more oceanic that you'll find the blotchies. Yeah, that's crazy. I want someone to officially declare if it's blotchy or block eye though. I know, I hear but I, I sort of like say it and then second guess myself if people are going to think I'm an idiot. Yeah. I don't know. It makes sense. I, I don't know, block eyes, but I was first told they were called. Yeah. But now you look at how it's spelt and you think, oh, CH now doesn't, never, doesn't always mean K very often. Well, it's a bit like in, I would say, um, England English. Yeah. Ch- CH is ch, right? Yeah. Whereas in, say, Latin sort of pronunciation, like in... I believe, like in in Italy, CH is K. K, yeah. So, wonder who. Um, but I'm like, we're probably more England English. Well, we'd have to know who, who discovered them. That'd yeah. tell us, I reckon. Well, I guess that's the Latin name, isn't it? So maybe in that sense, it, you maybe it is block eye mm. because it, if it's more Latin, that's more of a K. Sounds thing. better. Geez, we just got deep. <laughs> we did. We might have solved a mystery here. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> nearly went to Dr. Google to yeah. see. Yeah. Because it's interesting. I guess you got, I mean, the Atlantic permis, they're Falcatus, mm -hmm. Trachonotus falcatus. Ours are Trachonotus anic and Trachonotus blocki. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the Africanus, which is the ones they get out of, say, Oman. Yeah. They look a little bit anarchy, but they have quite a different behaviour. They, I, I believe they're getting them off sort of rock shelves and, yeah, and they'll okay. eat like a full stick bait, those things. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. That's insane. Um, have you caught all species? No, I'd, I'd really love to do... Um, I've got it... I haven't tried for the Atlantics, the Falcatus. I'd really love to do that. Yep. Uh, I did see one in Florida... Uh, when we were waiting for some tarpon, like a huge one just came down really deep. I was like, wow, that's a creature. Jesus, big um, And I was meant to go and do the Oman thing in November, but that, yeah, the international side, COVID. that's not going to happen for a while. No. Um, yeah, they have another one that's like the ugliest of them, hey? Like, because there's actually a lot of fish in that Trachonotus family. Like, you know, like a, just a southern dart, dart or whatever yeah. is in that family. Yep. I believe as fly fishermen, we give, you know, a special feeling towards the bigger ones and the ones that we kind of give that permit name to. Yeah. And and probably the popular ones are those four, the the Anak, the Block Eye, the um, Falcatus and the um, Africanus. Yep. But then there's this other one um, that I can only see that one guy's caught. It's called a Mukale. Um And it just looks like a love child of all of them. It looks horrible. <laughs> it's got like this huge awkward eye, this sort of massive... Raging forehead on it. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's um, and because I believe they're around, like say, Oman, Pakistan, up in like all that Middle East area. Yeah, right. And very few, like as far as I can see, this one guy's caught one mm -hmm. um, on a flat, and he caught it in Oman. But it's a dropkick looking permit. <laughs> it's, uh, look yeah, it right. up, Mukale. It's Mukale. just a real awkward looking fish. Yeah, right. Um, never heard of it. Never even. I've probably seen them in posts and stuff, but never taken notice. Yeah, I know. I, I guarantee you wouldn't, because I just think the only reason we found that was a um, Oliver White, an American fly fisherman, was fishing with us, and he's caught, you know, the, the Atlantics, the Blotchy, and then I, we got him an Anik with um, Justin down mm -hmm. at Gladstone there. Um, and so he was saying, oh, I just got to get an Africanus. And I think he made a post and someone was like, oh, you haven't got a Mukale? And we're like, what the heck's a Mukale? And we look at him like, whoa, that thing is ugly. <laughs> like, I want one. <laughs> yeah, right. And in fact, what are they, are hard, hard to find or hard to target on fly? Or yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just a fish that doesn't come into the shallows much. Or, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, certainly not seen many people holding one. Yeah, right. Um, That's a pretty big goal. Yeah. But, I mean, then there's all the others too. Like, um, what do they call them? There's like... Is it Pompanos? Pompanos, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they're all in that family. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's probably 20, 30 fish in that family. I just, it's that four or five much bigger ones yeah. that people kind of glorify. And I guess they're the ones that come onto the flats, flats and more. do really cool things that we like to see. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I'd actually be curious who gave it that initial name of permit. Um, yeah. Where that came from. Well, I don't know. Uh, I've never even thought about it right now. <laughs> well, well, outside of fly fishing circles, it's a very weird word. Like, I mean, I laughed the other day because we ran into this guy uh, just when we were coming through Hinchinbourg. He's like, what are you catching, boys? And, you know, like, like oh, this, that and the other. And oh, we might go and find a permit. And he's like, oh, they, yeah, I think those boys have all the right permits and yeah, you can get it. I was like, not a permit, as in like... Permit fish. A, a certificate. <laughs> he's like, no, nah, I'm still confused. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Because they're very weird fish if you're not yeah. a fly fisherman. Like, yep. they're not in the space of where the average guy is going to look nah. for what they're going to catch. Definitely not. And I feel like they're everywhere. 
They're, yeah. And they're everywhere in abundance to a mm. point of like, it's just water clarity oh, and yeah. actually going to look. Yeah. I feel like you'd see them anywhere like a typical permit would be, mm. but from Brisbane to fucking <laughs> northwest WA, mm. I feel like. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. you know, every now and then you see a punter holding mine on the beach in Noosa Beach there. Mm. It's just... Caught one on a prawn and he's in the yep. van. He's like, check this ugly looking duck. <laughs> Apparently they're delicious. Yeah, I, I think they do eat well. Yeah, they probably do. Well, they eat all the good stuff. Yeah. They eat like crabs and prawns and shrimp yeah. and oysters and stuff. Oh, totally. I mean, not so. He, he was very proud to tell me he eats them quite regularly. <laughs> he was like, Lord. we should eat one of these. I was like, oh, I just can't do it, eh? I feel like it's going to ruin the mojo. <laughs> if when I, I, I talked a big game when I got my first permit, I was going to neck it. Because they just frustrate me that much. <laughs> but I still haven't caught one off my own back yet. Yeah. So that's my goal. And I'm 99% probably going to kill it and taxiderm it. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I talk a big game now, but then when I catch it, I'll be like all in love with it and probably let it go. <laughs> my, my frustrating fish that I just wanted to kill and eat it there and then was a milkfish. I thought they were next level frustration. Yeah. They were... Were you, like chasing on scum flies and stuff? Or... Yeah, I was in... Um, <coughs> the... I guess the main place I've had a chance to chase them was in the Seychelles and yeah they kind of get up in the daisy chain and mm. move down the scum line and um, I think what's the fly they got the milky dream it's like Milk, yeah. a little bit of pink on the front with looks the like a bit of weed and shrimp egg or something kind yeah of yeah and I mean when they were doing their thing when they were up on the surface feeding whatever I, they weren't that difficult to hook I thought getting a hook up wasn't that mm. bad but I mean they were pretty big fish they were mostly like 25 to 45 mm. pound and it's, you're just committed, like they yeah. just dog it out so much. You can fight the thing and have it boat side in 20, 30 minutes, but then trying to get it to the hands from that point can just yeah. go on forever and then it runs over something or its tail wraps around the leader and flicks it out of its mouth. Yep, big dumb bastards. As soon as you touch them on the tail too, they go stupid. Oh, and they're so strong. They're one of those fish where their tail looks so perfect to hold, you know, like yep. this massive big, big fork ram. and a wrist. But because of the amount of muscle and power going through that yep. tower is, you hold on to it. It's just, I find blue bastards are a bit like that too. Like if you yeah. land a blue bastard pretty green, you get him in quick. It's just a lot of muscle that you can feel flicking through that body. <laughs> They're powerful. Like you don't realize, like even small tuskies and stuff like mm. nine and ten months, you don't realize how strong fish are until they go. That fly's giving me the shits too. I've been yeah, that fly. I'm like, where the hell? I'm lining him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you find? This is a question I had for you the other day, but I forgot to ask it. Um, do you find that, you know how like some flies have just like look stupidly realistic? Mm. Do you find that makes that much of a difference, or do you try and match pattern within a, within reason based on like color and what species of bait it is? Yeah, like I mean, obviously, you know, there's that you... very old term in fly fishing, match the hatch kind mm. of thing, which is very trout orientated, and it goes. Sorry, I was I read so people say match the hatch as in what I know it as. Yeah. As I read this the other day. What I know it as is match the hatch as in match the bait to the match the hatch as in what the fish are eating being yeah. the hatch like the fish's mouth. What it actually means is match the hatch as in the insect hatch. The bug that's hatching. The bug that's hatching yeah. for trout fishing. And yeah. I didn't know that until like not long ago. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, either or. <laughs> yeah, it both makes sense, but like I didn't yeah. realise that's where it originated from. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Oh, totally. And, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to think. So, through a lot of flies when we're up on the Cape, for example, just because that's a recent trip, we're talking a bit about that. And 
I sort of made a habit of, in that trip to be like a quarter fish on that fly, you know, good permit ate it. And normally your approach would be like, permit want to eat this. I'm not going to change it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I have a feeling these fish are pretty willing. So I just, I'd change flies all the time. Like if mm-hmm. there was something that I felt like they liked the most or they revved up on the most, I actually felt like it was kind of like a flexo. Like that fly is just so effective. Mm. Um, and it was just a tan sort of one flexo with mm-hmm. yellow legs. Uh, and yeah, like when you see crabs floating around up there, they kind of got that tannish yellow body with yellow legs and they're, yeah, well, they're actually a swimming kind of crab. Yeah, you showed me a photo last night with that weird looking crab in your hand. Had yeah. Like, all its legs were like paddles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, like some of the stories I used to hear, like people were like, oh, if it's not on the bottom, they won't eat it or if it's moving too much, they won't eat it. Like to me, that's rubbish. I was mm. like, so many permit will eat it on the sink. Like you can... Well, people say, oh, if they're moving, they won't eat. Like, that's also rubbish. Just plonk them on the head and you'll yeah. hope for a reaction bite. Yep. Like, yeah, once again, if I see a fish that's really slowly milling around, he's on a bit of a track, probably not going to plonk it on his head. Mm. But if a fish is moving quick, I feel like that's probably a good reaction is just to put it a foot or two in front of him and hopefully he's just like, whoa, what's that? Oh, food, yes. Yeah. Oh, damn, wrong. <laughs> you know? But, like, you see a lot of those crabs and they are swimming around. Yeah. Uh, they're not on the bottom. And definitely... You know, some days I can agree that, yeah, unless yeah. your fly's on the bottom, they just don't seem to be in it. But I think it's up to what the fish are doing. And Do you think, like, if a fish was travelling mid-column in, say, a metre, metre and a half, two metres of water, that you could strip within reason a fly, like a crab, like a swimming crab or something, past it and it would chase it? You, has that ever happened to you? Or have you ever heard um, of that happen? So, I mean, there was one... We had really bad light on one of these afternoons recently and you could see the bow waves coming down and typically the style of bow waves we saw were like, that's a school of anic permit. Yep. And because I couldn't really see them, I was just like, and I could, I could tell they were moving quick, I just plonked it in front of them, I grabbed tension, started moving it and the first, halfway through the first strip, permit Yep. So do you, where do you reckon your fly was? Would have been like a foot or two under the surface, it would have been moving and the fish would have been coming onto it, and I just think reaction, it landed right near him and yeah. ate it. Yep. Um, so it's definitely a possibility. Like, you oh, don't have 100%. to be that person that has the big, heavy, heavy-headed line and just lays a, lays a crab there and hopes the fish swims over the top of it and picks it up. Yeah. And I, I tend to think that certain areas lend themselves to easier, more willing fish. Mm. And I'm not saying that some permit, you know, permits are permit. You're stoked whenever Jerks. it happens. And when you get the glory days, you soak them in because you yep. might not have it for a while, you know. <laughs> but, like, I have been to spots, you know, several times where those perms just seem to be a bit difficult. Yeah. You're, like, throwing to where you feel like you should be. You're doing the what you feel like are the right things. Yep. And you just don't get that many eats. Whereas, for example, like, I thought those Cape York perms, like... I thought they were pretty willing perms. Like if they were cruising along or they were feeding and we saw quite a few like really proper tailing, yep. almost all the time in that scenario you had an eat. Like yeah. as long as you didn't do anything completely Stupid, wrong, yeah. they were very interested and you, you got to yep. eat. And did you, did you find, do you try and like natural presentations or do you something with a little bit of something weird colour or...? Yeah, well, that was the thing. I was... You know, some of the flies that I threw that probably looked more what I thought identical to what I assumed they were eating, um, I had, you know, interest and eats on, but, like, the Flexo, which is not so, you know, it's kind of skinny-legged. Yeah. 
not even like a, it's more of an oval body shape. Yeah. The ones I had as opposed to a, a, a spherical body shape, yep. circular, whatever. Um, they just seem to get the love. And, and sometimes I think it's just those kind of dangly legs that just sort of catch their attention. Think, oh, I Something that looks out of the normal, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but, but vaguely represents food. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, if you've, it's interesting, like, because if, if someone, let's say, comes from trout fly fishing to um, being on a boat, there's movement, there's current, there's tide, there's wind. Mm. And, and not saying that trout's super easy. Sometimes I just find trout, you know, I've done a lot of it and I find it to be quite a predictable scenario. And, and usually you're stationary, there's mm-hmm. no tide involved, there might be a current, obviously, but everything's quite easy easily sort of worked out in the moment. Yep. Like your head's just processing all that stuff as you make a cast and you retreat. Yeah. Whereas I find like quite a lot of the permit scenarios I've been in, unless you're actually wading and even then, you know, you've got wind pushing one way, tides going the other way, the fish is going this way and let's say you're on the boat, yep. the electric or the pole or whatever is trying to hold you in the spot. Mm-hmm. You're assessing all these things really quickly in your brain mm-hmm. and I do think a lot of times we just miss strikes. We're like, think we're tight but we're totally not. And, you, you know, you're pulling the line, whatever. So I, my approach now with those NX is probably almost to just pull it a little bit more than I feel like I need to. And the amount of times I just think, yep, that was an eight, he's on. Or I just watch the reaction of the fish. If yep. it properly keeps following, keeps following, keeps following, doesn't go down, I'll stop it. And I'm just pulling slowly, slowly. And I see him pop down in a bit of a vertical motion. Yeah. I haven't even felt him yet. I will, I will pull a, a decent amount yeah. of line to make the assumption it's in his mouth. Yep. And I reckon nine times out of ten, it's in its mouth. Yeah, okay. And because other times, just in my personal learning process, I've been like, oh, yeah, I'm pulling. He's got to be eating that. Why am I not feeling it? And I'm just sort of just pulling it enough but not quite feeling it. Whereas I then, I think the next fish I applied, I'm like, I'm going to watch that sucker and wait for the moment I think he's eating it. And I just give it a nice sort of slightly more firm pull. I'm like, he's on and I continue that in a strip strike. Yeah, like a a little half half strike sort of thing, half set. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because at least in that moment, if he didn't eat it, I'm still in the game. Yeah, like he's, I can still, still... he's going to go, oh, you just moved it a little bit quicker, yeah. Exactly. And it's bloody satisfying when you make that assumption and then you feel yeah. weight. You're like, oh, yes. Yep. That was really weird with the stuff, those two permits that I got, that like ticked, like it like actually felt it. Yeah. It was like a dink. Oh, and a lot of them I have felt that. Yeah, like they eat and turn or give... Yeah. Provide with some form of, I don't know, some form of strike, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And my assumption is with a fish like that that's eating, so those ones I showed you a picture of, they're just like a standard moon crab, I guess. They're like mm. quite hard and they've got those sharp little points on either yeah. sides. I'd imagine when that fish sucks that in, they're, they're feeling the harshness and the hardness of that crab. Yeah. So when they suck in, you know, one of our imitations, if they feel that hook for a moment, like going back... Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. I'd just... make the assumption they're just thinking, oh, that, that's a bit hard, or but that's kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's probably not until they taste or smell that think, that's not on. Yeah. Get the fly. Oh, Get him. Fuck, it's driving me mad. Get him. There's <laughs> <laughs> actually not been a lot of flies around, which has been nice. The mosquitoes. And no, the, I don't know how he got in He wants in here. to get out. Yeah, no, that's interesting, interesting too. It's because I, I think permit fishing especially is like constantly developing... People mm. are doing stuff differently. Like a lot of people, all the stuff that I've got are a lot of old books from permit fishing and people are saying, use sinking lines, use intermediate lines, don't move mm. the crab, um, stuff like that. And then other people are using, like I used a floating line when I got mm. mine, just with a nine-foot leader. Yeah. And I, I feel like I haven't read about that in a book or anything. No one's, mm. no one's written a book about permit for a long time, but 
Oh, totally. And I agree. If my thoughts are on flats, if you can get away with a floating line, use it. Yep. Like I think it's easy to pick up and plant Reshoot. again. Yeah. It's. I feel it's easy to know where your crab is. Yep. It's. Um, yeah. Like I, I think you know I, I do understand why people like fishing an intermediate line mm-hmm. and fishing that as well. And you know, up in the Cape, I was trialing a new line that I hadn't used before. It's sort of like. It's just got like a, a five or six foot head on this particular one. Um, it's like the SA Grand Slam and they've added just a very short intermediate sink tip head on it. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually kind of a, a best of both worlds because a lot of them have like 15 foot or 20 foot of intermediate on there. Yeah. And you think you're like good to go and it's just a bit clunky. I find mm-hmm. it kind of clunky on shallow water. Mm-hmm. Whereas that sort of shorter intermediate head. So it's still a hundred foot fly line, but it's only got like five or six foot of head. Well, the actual head of the fly line, I think of that one, is still like 30, 40 foot. Oh. But the the intermediate part of it was has about a six foot, five or six foot intermediate That's part epic. on the end of the line. So essentially um, you've got 14 foot of stuff that could potentially go lay on the bottom almost. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of, as I say, a lot of the other intermediate sink tip lines that I have are like a 15 foot or a 20 foot. Yep. And that's that can be really good, but um, I just... Yeah, I think it's nice to be able to be agile with your casting and move around mm-hmm. if that one didn't work, place it there. And, and intermediate, like any sort of sinking line, it definitely lands heavier Yeah. Um, or clunkier than a floating line. Yeah. Like fishing yeah. a floating line is quite nice. And it depends where you're seeing the fish too. Like say somewhere like Exmouth, uh, where it wouldn't always be the case, but I would say a lot of what they call a flat in Exmouth is three to six foot deep. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, like where they see those bones and all that, they are quite deep flats. I mean, they're gin clear and they're stunning. It's awesome to fish. But they're not it, – it certainly would happen. I just haven't seen a lot of fish um, in the couple of trips I've done to Exmouth in that shallower stuff. Yep. Whereas immediately, like those Cape York perms, we would see them backs out, tails out. Yeah. And so they're in like two foot of water cruising around. and yeah. like you do not need an intermediate line in that no. scenario. Like a floating line will always be better. It's going to land lighter. It's yep. going to, you're going to be more agile to put another cast in there. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and as I say, it just sort of depends on how deep those flats are. And and I think, you know, in, in each and every scenario, maybe that is a fishery where the fly does need to be on the bottom all the time and that's yeah. going to get you the success. And having that longer intermediate head is going to keep that fly there more. Because as soon as you, if you have a floating line and nine foot leader and the flat's five foot deep, if you pull that with any sort of, Mm. sort of jolt or speed. It is going to hop okay. off the bottom yeah. because you've got this hinge that's vertically above it yep. as opposed to pulling it and keeping it down, down. low. Makes sense. And, and everyone works it out for their own fishery yeah. and trial and error and yeah. frustration. And so you carry multiple lines and stuff, I suppose? Yeah, like I normally... I mean, a trip like... I feel like in Australia, depending on where you're going, like 8, 9, 10 is probably your flats options. And yep. I think that varies due to... Uh, the amount of wind probably going to be mm-hmm. present, the size of fish you expect to catch, yep. uh, the size of fly you're going to throw. Like sometimes you might, you know, those little flexos are like a size two that we get a lot of those block eyes on. Mm. They're quite, I find them quite nice to throw. They're, they're heavy enough, but they're yep. not super awkward. Some of those anic flies that people will tie, they're like, you know, it's like Velcro arts and crafts. They've got these monstrous dumbbells big, on them. And yeah, big lead solder on them or something, yeah. Yeah, and throwing that on an eight weight all day, even if there's no wind, can be unpleasant sometimes. So, yeah. like, you might be more likely to fish a nine or a ten. Yep. Um, and, you know, like, I'll always set up a 12 weight um, for a, a trip as well because you just don't know 
when some sort of big mm -hmm. GT or something's going to come along and have a brush fly yeah. sitting on that and be ready Always to go. Always ready to have one of them. Because yep. most trips are made up of people being like, oh, and you know, like, we're a sucker for it. First day on Cape York, see that massive GT come past. One, we weren't, we weren't going to be ready anyway because mm. it just came into our peripheral, but two, we had nothing to throw at it. Yeah. Like, we just weren't thinking that. Yep. Um, and sometimes even with like a, I don't know, I'd, I'd rather catch a Queenie on an eight, nine or 10 way or something, but if you're going to catch a lot of them and they just go on, they can pull a lot of string and they can go on forever too. Yeah. If it's a big Queenie, yep. sometimes just reaming one in on a 12. I, no worries <laughs> to saying that either. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, it's like, I think anyone chasing perms, like you can easily get lucky. You can go out, if you live in an area, you've seen them, you've worked out where they are, mm -hmm. you go out and you throw the right thing at the right time. I don't always think they're as hard as people say. I think, you know, we definitely put them on a pedestal because they are kind of a twitchy, tough, paranoid <laughs> fish that, you know, sometimes doesn't want to eat or they're scared yeah. or whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you personally live in the right area. You yeah. can go north or south and find yep. cool stuff. And for us, you know, particularly, I think a lot of people that are chasing permanent, if they're coming from out of state, out of country, out of mm. town or whatever, it's like... It's the fish they want to get because it's just everyone's told them, oh, this is a really tough fish. Yeah. I, yep. I certainly, it, it is funny, like, because you see it a lot. People go away on a trip and they're like, yeah, got six fish for the trip. And they're saying that they got six permit. They don't even tell you what they, they were. They caught queenies or yep. goldies or anything else. Don't it's care. like, this is the one that's the bar. Yeah. It's like, it's it, weird how it is the bar too. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I find tuskies are the bar for me, I think, at the moment. Yeah. I like like I love permit. They're they're there, but like tuskies are like like I said before, they're either hyper spooky or mm. they eat. But how do you stop a fish like that? Because oh. normally they're in a place. They normally they're deep. They retreat deep, and normally where they retreat to is some asshole rock ridden oysters or coral or some mm. sort of filth. Like how do you stop fish like that on a ten weight? Oh, it's insane! Totally. No, they are insane beasts. Like. I mean, most of, yeah, like, it's only really been the last five, six years of my fly fishing life that I've got super obsessed with the saltwater side of it. Yeah. And, you know, people say, oh, what's different from fresh to salt? And, I mean, as a whole, I would say, you know, things happen quicker. Mm. Um, not all fish. Like, you know, you see a tusky sometimes. He's just chilling around, moving rocks, looking yeah. at stuff. <laughs> and you got, you know, it's, we can rush ourselves into it. Yeah. But, I mean, things like... Yeah, like permit moving down a sandbar or GTs coming across a flat. Like mm -hmm. normally it's not like, hey, there's that trout calmly rising over there. Let's approach it slowly and mm. make a plan and make a cast. So I think saltwater things happen quicker. I do think as a whole, I feel like you've got to have your cast in a little bit more down pat because the, the original method of fly fishing was throwing a weightless object. Mm -hmm. And things like crabs and clouses and big brush flies and all that, they're not weightless. They're yeah. actually quite, they can be horrible to cast. Yep. If, if you don't know how to properly bend a rod and load that rod, mm. you're going to struggle. But you, a lot of those people can get away with that kind of poor casting if it's just a trout dry fly. Yeah. Um, so I would say on average, like people probably, it, it's not a game stopper if someone mm -hmm. is not a great caster, but they just need to learn, you know, those mechanics of casting, fly casting a little bit better, I yep. feel, for 
to, to get it done in the salt. Otherwise, you're going to be hitting yourself with heavy crabs and clouses and breaking rods and whatever. Been done before. I've well, all of walloped myself in the back and the side of the head heaps. Oh, just from not understanding wind direction and shit. Yeah. Oh. To me, it's something that just—it's like bumping your head when you're like carrying something heavy yep. already, and you're just like, oh, I'm so angry. I can't <laughs> be angry at anyone. Oh, the crab. <laughs> yeah. They hit so hard, eh? But it is addictive. Like I, you know, I still love all the freshwater stuff, and we do a lot of fishing still around trout scenarios and all that as well but yeah. to so me the variety of fly fishing is really cool it's massive and it's getting bigger and bigger and i think a lot of people are going mixing conventional with fly now like they used oh, to be totally. fly or die conventional and either one hated the other mm. and now it's sort of meshing together yeah. which i think is good because i do i do nearly every type of fishing imaginable yeah. i would do every type of fishing imaginable oh, totally. i'm not prejudiced at all yeah i'm totally um, prejudiced i choose to be not <laughs> <laughs> There's, gonna, there's people out there at the moment that are like waiting to try and get a photo of you holding a conventional rod. It's, it, like, let's just put a disclaimer, everyone. Don't freak out. I'm just joking, okay? You're really good at conventional angling. Okay, <laughs> moving on. In, I got up in the morning in Cape York and I picked up the um, bait cast or whatever it was and I just, you know, clipped it down, had a cast and not so I was like, oh, you know what you're doing there? I was like, yeah, I've done it twice before. I was like... There's my point. <laughs> I can do this okay, and I've done it twice before. Uh, settle down, everyone. Settle down. So good. But um, I'd like, yeah, people, there's obviously people that absolutely slay it unconventional, and that's very different than some, someone that just picks it up and has a go. Yeah. You know, like I watched someone like Maddie yesterday just picks up um, the bait cast with a little plastic on it because we'd seen a few barra mm. and things were quite, quite, you know, just throws that into absolutely anywhere or anything. There's yeah. no way I can pull that off. Yep. <laughs> um, there you go. I gave someone credit. <laughs> no, like for me, it, it is a weird sort of thing because my journey was, you know, my dad fished a little bit, just sort of punter level that he, we'd go on holidays and got Noosa Beach and I just mm -hmm. remember throwing, trying to catch Taylor and Dart yeah. and whatever off the beach and it, it probably put fish in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, we'd go down on holidays to, like, uh, Victoria and we'd catch some trout from the trout farm or the river. Yeah. And so from a young age, you know, I'm one of four siblings, and um, I'd, I was the one that liked fishing. Like, when we went to places, I just wanted to be by the water. I just wanted to fish, whether it was, like, with a little hand reel or a, mm. a cheap little rod or whatever, like, bait, spinning, whatever. I wanted to fish. And I, I do remember, just because we'd lived on a trout river and a lot of our holidays ended up being up in the mountains, that uh, my grandfather, um, he, he had this sort of mate that, an old Scottish guy, and we were on holidays uh, down in Victoria on the Ovens River there, and he'd show me this trout, and it was like a seven-pound brown trout. Mm. And this river, you just never, even to this day, like even back then, there just weren't that many big fish, like a two- or three-pound trout was a massive fish. Yeah. And so I was just like, wow, you're my hero. Look at the size of this fish. Like, you must have caught it on a big lure. Yeah. Because back then, you know, Tassie Devils and Celtas reigned supreme yep. in the trout world. <laughs> and, um, and he showed me the fly, and it just looked like a tiny brown stick. It was like a Sawyer's <laughs> pheasant tail, like a yeah. very early fly in trout fishing. And I was super intrigued by that. And I just yep. sort of said to my parents, I mean, I was probably 12 then, and I said to my parents, I'd like to get a fly rod. And... It came with like a little VHS video on how to cast. I sort of would go and watch it, press pause, run yeah, outside, try that out. That's I'd be like, that's not working, run back in, press play again. Okay, go with that one, you know. <laughs> and that was literally how I learnt to cast because yep. that was what was available. Like I'd, I remember, like, because I, I, that was the thing actually. I'd, we lived on this river and had 
this little lake section and I'd always see these fish splashing and I kind of worked out that they were eating beetles off the water and I was like, and you no matter how many Tassie devils or Celta they mm. threw at those fish, they would not eat it. And I was like, they've got to be eating beetles. Like, how do you catch those fish? And, and I do remember when this guy, Ronnie, this Scottish guy, showed me what fly fishing was. It was an instant click at like age 12 being like, that's how I catch those splashy ones. <laughs> that, that this is how you do it, right? And it was like a really cool light glow moment. And I'd, you know, for, from probably about 12 to 14, 15, I sort of fly fished and um, mm-hmm. still did a bit of spinning and whatever. Um, and then I reckon I got to, yeah, probably 15. I've just basically never picked up a spin rod nice since. Rod. And, and you know, like, to be fair, like, I, I just really enjoyed it and that's why I did it. Like, mm. people often say, oh, how come you don't throw conventional or whatever? I'm just like, oh, I just, this is what I really enjoy. Yep. And, like, because people ask me all the time, I've just learned to be a little bit of a smart-ass about it at the time. I don't really mean that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean that, yeah. Like, but, um, yeah, there's just that sense of, I don't mind doing it the hard way either. Like things like, you know, Murray Cotton Fly and even, even the lakes in winter, like that's bloody hard even conventionally. Like yeah. everyone does a grind doing that. No matter how yep. much they want to pitch themselves as catching 10 metres or trip or whatever, mm-hmm. like it's a grind. And yep. to go and do that on fly, I just feel like it's even more of a grind. Yep. Like crazy. you're pulling this cold um, line that's covering water through your hand on freezing cold mornings and all that kind of thing. And yep. I don't know, like, that's just what makes me tick. Like, I love that fly fishing side of it. And, I mean, as a youngster, like, you know, 15-year-old, I'd go to these, like, club meetings and they're all, like, 50 to 70-year-old blokes. And, yeah. And they were helpful. They'd show me stuff. I, like, I think of it now and I think, man, they're probably like, who is this young, annoying kid that's super keen? <laughs> Asking like, all these questions. Yeah, away. <laughs> exactly. But, like, I think it's cool now that, like, it's it's much more accessible to get into fly fishing. It's It's totally not this you know, trout and salmon thing. And, and not that it's been that way for quite a while now, but I do think the last 10 years and particularly the last sort of five years, I feel like has accelerated a lot of people into fly yeah. fishing. And I feel like of all the bad things that social media can bring, I feel like that's probably a product of social media. Yep. Because, I mean, even today, like you sit next to someone on the plane, you're editing photos, they're like, oh, what are you doing? You're a fisherman. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I do, da, da, da. And they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a giant trevally. And like, how'd you catch that? And I'm like, caught on fly. And they're like, no, mate, what, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Talk so, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's still a weird concept yeah. to a lot of people that we're fly fishing for some of these bigger creatures. Yep. But I feel like that's breaking down a lot quicker now because in the past, you know, let's say a fly fishing magazine, probably a fly fisherman would have bought that mm-hmm. magazine. Whereas now social media goes to people. Like yeah. I run into people all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm... I see some guy catching like an epic fish on conventional. I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. Like, how could I do that and on fly? fly? Like, <laughs> that's you know, da da da. You kind of see the way that, and even conventional, I would say, has gone through that as well. Like mm. people just really clever about the way they fish. Yep. Always thinking about it. You're making a plan as opposed to just going out and hoping something happens. Yeah. And so I think. For me, the fly fishing side is what appealed. Like it took me a year from teaching myself from that video to cast to actually catch a fish on fly. Yeah. And I'd go out quite regularly and I'd see those splashing fish and I just didn't really know what fly to use and what yep. lead to set up. Like that's so easy now. It's like, huh, that didn't work. I'm gonna message someone I see on Instagram that fly fishes, hey mate, I see these fish. It's doing this, what should I do? <laughs> that person probably responds, you go out, you try it and you catch a fish. Yeah. It's yep. super short learning process. Yeah. Which is great as well. Yeah. Um, and I think most people, most of the general populace, like, like 
enjoy that. Mm. Like they would love that they'd give you that information, and you go, hey, that technique worked. This is mm. the fish I caught. They'd be stoked for you. Generally. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think in the fly fishing community, that's not that I'm deep into it, but I feel like that's more of the case than it is in conventional community. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like there's a lot of people in the conventional community that don't want to give away those sort of secrets. Mm. Whereas I feel like the fly, like, it's a, a bit more like camaraderie in there. Yeah. I don't know. I just think we all need to chill out a little bit and realise what individually we do is not as mind-blowing as we think sometimes. I know that sounds strange from someone that it's makes 100%. complete their living off fly fishing or whatever, but I think we just need to chill out. Like, there's some stuff that we're just... Locationally, these days, you do have to be a little bit careful because if I don't know someone, they've had no connection with me, and yeah. my first message from them on Instagram is like, hey, mate, where's that? I'm like, or just like, literally, where's that? Yeah, Question mark. not even saying hello. Yeah, that yeah. pisses me off. I'm just like, well, I'm unlikely to give you that because either I've gone to the effort to finding it or someone has given me that information and mm. I treasure their information like my own yeah. kind of thing. Um, I think that's the one thing that probably still people are still a little bit not so willing to give away straight away. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like someone messaging me like, hey man, I'm learning to fly fish. Really would love to catch a trout in the dam on fly. What should I be doing this time of year? Like I'll, you know, happily punch out a whole bunch of info mm. that should get that person in the game. Yep. Um, and you know, like for, sometimes it's just hard to get back to people. We were talking about that the other day. You go, yeah. Particularly now, like I've just been on the road for like three weeks. And so I have these little patches where I come back into reception and I, I just get behind. I need to be yeah. answering emails. I need to be getting back to yep. people that are coming on trips. I need to be communicating with our guide team where they're going next. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, man, like suddenly Instagram private messages just become hard to get back to. Yeah. It's not because I don't want to write back to yeah. people or whatever. We were just... saying this the other day. Like it needs a, um, they need a, like a flag. Like yeah. You need to be able to flag them because once you look at them, like mm-hmm. I'm not saying I get I get a few, but not no, it would be nowhere near as many as you do. But just to be able to flag that and go, like read it, and you go, oh shit, that's a long message. Yeah. I need time to read and yeah, give a genuine answer back. I just want to flag it yeah. because once it goes red, then it goes down your feed and you forget oh, about it. Totally, totally. It needs to be like, because yeah, yeah, like an unread button that you yeah. can at least have there. Because even sometimes, because when I go scrolling back through, that's what I'm going to look for. I'm like, oh yeah, that one's unread. What is that? Oh yeah. Mm get back to that guy whereas as you say sometimes you open it because you're like oh it looks like a quick one line you're like oh this guy's got a few questions and I really want to get back to him but I just mm. I'm about to jump in the car I'm about to you know drop the kids off at daycare I'm about to take a guy guiding or whatever yeah. and then I forget so it's my disclaimer if I haven't got back to anyone that <laughs> I just it's not my fault <laughs> well there's so many avenues too right like you'd get it as well where people can contact you via email yep. via text via phone call via mm. Facebook, I sometimes personal, get... by Facebook <laughs> business, by Instagram personal, by Instagram business. Like, yeah. I'm like... It like... N- non-stop. And I, I've got, like, friends that I talk to and then I'll be messaging them. A lot. I've, I'm really active on Instagram and I'll be messaging mm. them on Instagram. Then they'll share something with me through Facebook, which comes through on <laughs> Messenger. Yeah. So then I've got the two com- two conversations going with one person. <laughs> and it's just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I look at it and I go, yeah, that's cool. Get back on Instagram and talk because like it just makes no sense oh totally if you feel like you're talking to I don't know it's just really odd yeah it's like that oh like because I've had times where I get a message and I know mentally in the day that someone asked me oh is next Thursday available for guiding or something and I just I might quickly write myself an email so if I remember that's Mm -hmm. kind of my like checklist I'm like you know guiding next Thursday 
um, check when you return home. Yeah. And then I got home and I just can't remember what medium it came through and I'm like, oh, okay, it wasn't email, wasn't that. And sometimes you get to the sixth or seventh medium and you find out where that message yep. came from. I'm like, oh, damn, yeah. this gets hard. Yeah, I think you need. I think um, I think you can move them to general on a yeah, business okay. case. I think that's. I started doing it and I forgot about it. But I'm, I think one way you could do it was move your chats to general. But then you'd have to move them back once you completed them. That's Otherwise, you'd be like a reminder thing, is it, or something? Yeah, it's just like a general chat and a primary chat yeah, on okay. Instagram DMs. I think. Yeah, maybe I'm I getting do like that. deep into shit that people don't care about. But <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you could swap them around and structure that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, Saying before you make your living from this sort of sort of stuff, what what made you start? When did you start Aussie Fly Fisher? Why did you start it? And what's it all about? Yeah, so I mean, I guess what am I now? Thirty-five. Um, I started fly fishing when I was about twelve. So that's about twenty-three years. Hopefully, my maths is okay. Close enough. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, I, I loved to fish. I always loved getting out there. And, and I grew up in, in Bathurst, which is about three hours inland of Sydney. Yep. And, and close to us was trout and, and carp and perch and redfin and Murray cod and, and all that kind of thing. And, and you know, we go down the Snow Mountains. We go down the Victorian Highlands and, and, and all that. And, yeah, I mean, I left school. I, I got a job. I did a bit of a cadetship. Um, I did a bit of uni and working. Um, for a big food company and I ended up when I was so it would have been 2010 I took on a job with them which was um, doing food safety auditing for all their mm-hmm. global factories that we bought from um, and you know this this company was buying from all over the world so suddenly I had a job where I mean I traveled a little bit international before that um, like I'd go to New Zealand and fly fish been to the Pacific Islands and that kind of thing um, but yeah, suddenly I did a little bit of travel to a lot of travel. I kind of, this job meant that I could go to Europe every year. It meant I was going to Patagonia every year. I was going to Asia every year. I was going to the US yep. most years. And on the back of that, like, you know, it was a fairly intense job, but I'd, every weekend I'd plan a fishing trip somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, for five years straight, I'd, I did a four-week trip to Europe each of those years. Yep. And so I'd fish in Italy, I'd fish in Spain, I'd fish in England, I'd fish in Slovenia, Iceland, yeah. wherever. And I'd always plan these little trips and I met lots of great people. And same when I went to like Patagonia or Canada or the US. And some of those trips I'd just, at the end of the trip, I'd plan a week and I'd be like, I'd go and, you know, buy a spot of lodge and go fish and, yep. and that kind of thing. And, and I guess partway into that, around probably 2012, I, I sort of saw that, you know, just that love for fly fishing I had already and, and the travel side, I was like, oh, you know, I've got all these photos and it was about that time too that I really took up wanting to do more photography stuff um, and I just just very simply wrote out some goals for that year. I was like, you know, I'd like to learn, I'd like to be this level of photographer by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, this is probably 2012, let's say, I, I sort of thought, well, I'd like to write my first proper magazine article. Um, with my own photos and that sort of thing. Yep. I'd like to this, that and the other. Anyway, at that same time, Instagram was sort of starting to poke its head a little bit. It was still really early days, I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I noticed um, someone had shown me what it was and I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I thought, well, maybe I'll start an Instagram because I don't want to be the guy on Facebook that's just posting fishing pictures <laughs> to their regular mates that don't care. Yeah. I thought this Instagram could just be a nice little outlet of posting 
fishing photos from around the world that I was kind of able to supplement via doing our trips and yeah. stuff. Um, and I guess at the same time too was also when we had some pretty good fishing uh, in our local area. Like we yep. just come out of the drought um, and I'd started like a part-time guiding business around that probably 2011, 12, 13, mm-hmm. where literally I'd just do it the weekends or holidays if I had a bigger book in or something like that. And we were taking people trout fishing locally in the Blue Mountains out of Sydney. So all these sort of things came together. I wanted to do more photography, started the part-time guiding, um, and I had this job where I could travel around and fish in amazing locations. So externally, it would probably look like I was just fishing full-time then anyway because yep. I'm not posting photos of a boring audit in another country. I'm mm-hmm. going to post photos of the fish I caught in Slovenia or Italy or something. Yeah. And, um, and I, yeah, like, to be honest, it really was just for fun initially. And then I think... I had one day where I'd already been gathering these photos and doing a little bit of our business and whatever, and I thought, oh, I need to give this a name. It's kind of like, feels like it could be a thing. Yep. Um, and I, I said to my wife, I think I said her at text, I was like, I was like, what does Aussie fly fishes sound like? Does that sound a bit lame? Or what do you reckon about that? She's like, oh, yeah, it works. I was like, so I literally just opened up Aussie fly fish on Instagram and started to share some photos. And at the time, very few Australian fishing anythings were on Instagram. Yep. Like companies, individuals. I could, like Jimmy Barwick, who we've run into here, and he was one of the very first fly fishermen I remember seeing yeah. on it. Um, He's a very well-travelled gentleman too. He is, yeah. And um, But I just remember starting that up and instantly, because this Instagram thing grew quite quick from that point onwards, it, I think it was around 2012, 13, 14 that I, like it, it was sort of known to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess because I, I started it right at when that was starting to happen, I just saw a lot of, like a lot of Americans started to follow Aussie fly fish yeah. and guys around the world and and they'd be like, oh man, this is epic. And I'd be like, where do you live? I was like, I'll come fishing with you next month. I'm going to be in America. Or like, oh, you're in Italy. I'll come fishing. So I just made all these cool global yeah. contacts via Instagram yep. because I had the ability via that job to actually catch up with these people and fish and and very quickly, I was like, this is kind of working. Nobody else is doing this. Mm. This is fun. And, um, like, yeah, I started to write a few more articles. We were doing more guiding. We started to run a few other little trips. Yep. And I just sort of grew it from there. So 2013, I'd say, through to 15, um, yeah, just grew quick. And as I say, very few were doing anything, particularly in Australia on Instagram. People were quite slow to grab on initially. Yep. Um, and, when you, and when they did, I noticed that it was like, and we were sort of talking about this before, there's, in my mind there's a big difference between someone having a YouTube page or an Instagram or whatever and that's the only thing they have versus applying that to a business, applying that to like, hey, we run guiding, we run courses, we run, we sell merch, we, you know, yeah. like Carson, all those guys. Like I felt like the people that were actually doing well were like thinking about it a little bit more. They were like, you know, use Instagram to promote a broader business or a broader thing. Yeah. Um, and that seemed to work well for us at the time. And I think this is probably, I'd say this month actually has been near five years that I've gone full-time with it. Yep. Um, it got to the point where my other job, which I did enjoy, yeah. um, and this job were both full-time jobs and it was just getting super hectic to do both, both things. Um, and at the time I knew the other company I was working for wanted to move everyone from Sydney to Melbourne. So I literally just waited for the glamour time for them to be like, here's a redundancy package. I'm like, that is exactly what I want. Thank you. Kindly. Time to go. So, yeah, like I, um, you know, it is a big step. Like I think 
you know, people do sort of reach out a lot and be like, how do I start that? And like my general answer to that is when you feel like fishing or this other thing that you love doing is so full-time that you just can't do your other full-time job, that's the right time to leave your other job. Yeah. Like in a very simple nutshell, like when you've built the rapport, you've built the clientele, you've built, you know, you've networked hard, you've done all those sort of things. And I'm not saying anyone else is special at doing that than someone else, but mm -hmm. it does take time investment and getting to that point to feel confident. Like I felt like, you know, leaving my job at that point, I felt confident we could do something. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't work out, I was totally fine with that. Like if I got two years down the track and I thought, I can't feed my kids. <laughs> I'd probably think, well, maybe that's not the right decision. I'll go yeah. back and do something else. I've given it a crack. Yep. Happy days. Like, yeah. That's I, wrong, I, man. I'm starting to like, like this shit of shit, like mm. days off to come and do this and um, drop of the hat stuff and try yeah. and juggle, like, finish, like juggle stuff at work, finish work, <laughs> do some more shit, get up early in the morning, do some more personal shit. Mm. Like just trying to get enough traction to get moving. Oh, I think, well, I'm hoping that I can take Flow State to a point where I go, okay, I've, at, I've got enough reasonable clientele, steady income that I can shut the door on this mm. stuff that I'm doing, which I still enjoy too, but go and chase my, my passion. Oh, I totally. Think, I think that if you want it, want it bad enough, you'll make it work yeah. regardless. And I feel like, like yourself, like Mick with cast and stuff like that, that... There's a whole lot of, of um, personal passion in mm. those brands. It's not like, I want to make a business, make millions of dollars, mm. and then I might flip it or I might hang on to it or I might whatever. Mm. I feel like there's like personal investment in that and then I, I feel like that aids you on your journey mm. of growth because you want to do the best by that brand or by that culture, that community or whatever you're trying mm. to build. I feel that makes a huge difference. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, like... I, I truly think, unless someone being, you know, good on them, if they're being gifted a million bucks and go and do whatever you yeah. want, that's great. But like, most people I know in the fishing scene that are making a full-time gig of it, have worked hard to get there. They've they've built their way in, and they do it because they love it. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> I've never met anyone being like, oh mate, how come you're in the, the fishing industry for the money? I just love <laughs> it for the money. There is none in Because that person, you know, that, yeah. that person I already know is a liar. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> because, you know, we do it because we love it. We do it because we enjoy hanging out with people with yeah. the same passion consistently. And that's mm -hmm. a real blessing. Like, I totally look at that as a blessing. I never take for granted the stuff we get to do. Like, I never look at it and think, oh, yeah, whatever, another epic trip to another epic place. I'm, I'm like there. I'm writing out my pre-shot list. I'm thinking I'm... You're working. You're working, you yeah. know. Like, it's stuff we like doing, and I'm not going to take away from that. Yeah. But... You know, we honour it and we think we've been given a great position and we want to give back. You know, like, mm. we we get to work with great companies. We get to work with great people. We get to go to cool places. Like, all of that, um, I just think, you know, you can't take any of that for granted. The moment you take that for granted, it, it's on the demise. It's, yeah. it's on the down. Yep. And, and I think, yeah, like, as you say, just having these sorts of days like today, like, literally we've sat around the pouring rain We've looked through flies, we've laughed, you've convinced me to make my own coffee and enjoy it. So there you go, flow <laughs> state, number one. Um, and we've just talked about fishing and business yeah. and trips and, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's, it was epic. And it's like, stuff like that, like I've, like yourself, Jimmy, even Mickey and stuff, like, I just come down here and I feel like I've known you for years. Like, it's so weird that you can just pick up conversation like that and, 
mm. just gel with people. Yeah. And I think it's across the board like it. I don't Are we know. Are going to hug? We haven't yet. I think we're going to. We're going to hug. I think it's coming. <laughs> COVID safe. Getting COVID deep. Safe. <laughs> Getting deep. No, but I, um, I, I think it's just crazy. Yeah, he's got a tear in his eyes, everyone. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> I feel, I feel funny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's really, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I quite, in, I just enjoy it. Mm. And yeah, I don't know, you get some amazing friendships mm. all over the place and connect with people. And I think that's the one, like people portray social media in a bad sense most of the time. Mm. But I think if you, if you look at it the right way and you take the right things from it mm. and you act correctly on it and don't be a dick, Mm. And I feel like you can connect with some absolutely amazing people all over the world, oh, totally. and do some, and give, create yourself some amazing opportunities. And mm. if you're hungry enough, you can make anything possible. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's not you should be motiva- motivational speaker. Or? Yeah, Tony Robbins, everyone, come on down. <laughs> Here tonight, it's Sundays. Oh, I just realised how fucked up that sounded, but I, um, I do mean it. Yeah, it just sounds really. Yeah, I don't know. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Like I. And, and I'm, you know, as we're talking about today, I'm, I'm quite passionate about if people really want to take that path, um, you know, put in the hard work mm. and enjoy it. And if it didn't work out or, you know, partic- like we've all had moments where we're like, huh, that awesome idea in my head did not end up being what I thought it was. Yeah. Like people didn't follow it. It wasn't, you know, from a business point of view, maybe it wasn't profitable. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like all those things are just going to happen. You just got to get over that. Like yep. you got to be willing to invest your time and effort and know that some failures will be there on the way. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we are doing this because we like it. And yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just not worth getting that caught up in, you know, the failures. The negativity and, of and it the all. negativity and all that kind yep. of thing. Because it's, it's there more so than the positivity, I think. Yeah. There's always someone with opinion about something can. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, it, it depends what you focus on too. Like I just, I honestly am not that phased if someone tells me like, mate, I could have done what you're doing. I'm like, great, go and go do and it. Go and do it, man. Like I, I, I don't feel neither here nor there about that no. person. Like I don't feel negative towards them. Or like, I'm exactly what? the same too. Even with goals, like personal goals, business goals, anything like that, like everything, 99% of things have been done before to oh. some degree by somebody else. Mm. But I don't judge like, I don't go, I want to do this really bad, but old mate's done it, so it doesn't mean as much to me. Mm. But, like, I haven't done it. Mm. Like, yeah. Oh, Same totally. with, like, like the, I was just telling you the other night, the permit, back on the permit again, <laughs> things. But the permit, like, I want to get one out of my own boat, mm. my own, not, not my own flat, but off my own back, like, find a flat, mm. find permit, catch one myself yeah. um, out of my own boat or in within my local area somewhere. Yeah. Um, and the places that I... I'm, I'm going to go look. I'm pretty sure most people have been to, like I've seen people there and, mm. and guides there and stuff like that, but the fact that I'm doing it, does it does that does those guys doing it before me take from no, the value? Yeah, like that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah. And then all those people that want to be negative and have a, have a dig and that just follow you to hang shit on you and stuff like that, like I just don't even entertain it anymore. I've just yeah. given up even caring. Oh, and like... Social media has that ability for people to throw whatever's on their mind mm. out there. And, you know, like, I actually, I don't mind. It's almost like, oh, oh okay, that's how he feels. I was mm. like, if anything, I'm like, okay, is, it, is there any merit in this or is it just total rubbish? Or if there's any 
if there's a one out of a hundred merit yeah. in what he's saying, I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe I try and do yeah. that slightly different next time. Or like, okay, I see your point, mate, but like, yeah, I, I either find it's people in in the game, whatever it is, that are successful and doing it a certain way, then are so narrow minded mm. to you doing it differently or you being in the scene or whatever, or mm. it's some lazy fat sack of shit that's sitting on his couch and just <laughs> feels the need to create havoc and yeah. have people engage with him in a, some sort of way that yeah. has opinion, him, her, person, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I just, like, I'm just going to say it though, like, I feel like people that thrive off negativity on other people's positivity, I only ever feel sorry for those people. Yep. Like, yep. I just think there is, there is something amiss in that person's mind yep. that leaves them insecure, that leaves them wanting. That yeah, and that's why it's not worth. Can't help but hate. So I, like, my... My thought isn't like, oh, you left me a negative comment, I hate you. My thought's like, oh, gee, I actually feel sad for you. Yeah, because well, <laughs> at the end of the day, you don't know what they've been through too. Like, they might be, it, you might be, their negativity on you might be an outlet, outlet for them dealing with some other shit that's going on in their life. Like, oh, totally. Like, and at the end of the day, it's just not worth your time and energy dealing with it or processing it even, giving it time <laughs> of day. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. You just got to try and spread the positivity and yeah. do what you love and it's all good. Yeah, I think so too. We've been going for nearly an hour and a half. Well, we are. How long are your podcasts normally? However long it takes. Okay. However long it goes for. I've had a couple of, of couple of hugies. But I probably should. It's quarter past four. I've probably got to pack up and get home. Yeah. Oh, thanks for hanging Got a mate's going away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But weather's good tomorrow. Hope you guys... Well, I hope the cloud clears up. It's still pissing rain here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go and... I know it's considered, like, the uh, bottom of the barrel option here to go and blind cast for some barra, but... I'm happy to blindcast for Barra. It's because I can tell you what, once I go back over that border, I can't blindcast for Barra anymore. <laughs> That's true. So. <laughs> That's true. I've got a few more days up here. Yeah. and Hopefully it clears up a bit. Sunday is a pretty dog shit weather day, but the rest of the next week's looking, looking yeah. pretty good as long as the cloud clears up. Yeah. Oh, and that's the thing. Like, the amount of trips you do, you just average it out with the good days and the bad. And, you, you know, I, like I'm still living off that Cape York trip and how good that <laughs> was. And, and yeah. even the chopper thing I did with Rory, like that was... Super adventurous. Yeah. Like, we were talking about it when we were up there, saying how, okay, the weather's not what we want it to be, the barra aren't biting, we're catching sooties, but we're like, when, you know, people that aren't fishermen, if you just flew into mm. a river, saw, like, all these epic scenery on the way, yeah. camped out, you know, cooked your own food, mm. lived out of, like, two little Yeti coolers yeah. for, like, several days... That's when isn't that cool? It's epic. That's it's, cool. It's a whole experience, and that's why that's I'm adventure. I'm huge. I'm massively big on like mad expeditions like that. Yeah. Adventures like a few days and just just not wearing shoes for like ah. a few days straight and getting dirty and stinking and totally. eating what you catch and exploring and hanging yeah. out with good people. It's it, yeah, there's a lot of value in that, regardless of whether the fishing is good or not. Because oh, you always take something good from it. Hundred percent. You get home and you just feel good. Yeah. You feel so content. Felt good when I had a shower off that. That yeah. was true. That was true. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I got a good night's sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. But no, thanks for stopping in, man. Yeah. Thanks for the and chat. Thanks heaps for everything. Um, I will touch on how do the uh, people get on to Not So, to Rory and yourself? Yeah, so um, ben, ben Bright, I fished with up in Weeper, and he... Um, I think he's just got a Facebook page actually Last Cast Not So It's the best Insta yeah, handle like ever Ben Not So Bright Like it's an epic nickname But he's like <laughs> Ironically He's like such a clever bloke hey? Like yep. really 
just the way he thinks about fishing, the way he knows his environment, the birds, the, everything yeah. there. Like, it, it's cool. So Ben Bright up in Weeper, just search. I'm pretty sure if you search that, um, or even if you can't get a hold of him, just get in touch with us and we can connect. Um, and then Rory Brooks, he runs Tropical Sports Fisher. So if you just Google that, yep. um, he's out of Cairns, so he runs really cool day trips and multi-day trips out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome bloke, one of the most chilled, I just love him, fun, loving blokes. I realised that I um, am mates with his brother. Oh, yeah. Because I was in Darwin. Yeah. He's up there, Nick. Yeah, okay. Um, and I didn't put the resemblance in my head until he mentioned it to me. <laughs> I used to I used to work part-time at a tackle store up there, yeah, just on yeah. weekends, public holidays and stuff like that. And um, he used to come in and we used to chat every time he was in the shop, just yeah. talk shit and talk fishing and all that sort of stuff, show, yeah. share photos and all that sort of stuff, and then realised that he's Roy's brother. Yeah. It's the smallest world ever. Yeah, yeah. that's classic. No, it's super good today. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then our stuff, aussieflyfisher.com or Instagram, Facebook, Aussie mm-hmm. Flyfisher. Uh, You'll yeah. be doing just local stuff at the moment, like stuff out of New South Wales? Yeah, so I mean at the moment we're doing um, all our New South Wales trips, so Trout and Murray Cod, uh, the Cog season will be closed um, for three months coming up from the end of August. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, plenty of Trout, Murray Cod, we're doing our courses, we've got plenty of Learn to Fly Fish courses, they've been going through the roof, people are just keen to take up this new thing and try something yep. new while they're kicking around. Um, so we've got a couple of those in sort of starting from September again, we've yep. got our sort of intermediate course starting from... October again, we run them down the snow mountains. Um, yeah, it's a little bit dicey with this whole Queensland, New South Wales border at the moment. We have mm-hmm. we have started to build a few trips up into Queensland again, like group trips, uh, whether it's just sort of campouts, lodge-based, mothership stuff. But we're, yeah, and I think we'll be able to do a bit more of that next mm-hmm. year because I'd say the international thing will delay for a while. Um, but we are trying to build a bunch more local trips. I mean, we do a lot anyway on a, yep. on a given year, but we're trying to do more of that. So, yeah, you know, things like next year, I'm really hoping that we can pull together a few groups to just go and do that epic camp out with yeah. Notso and some guys up there again because yep. that was unreal. And we've had a lot of people already reach out, want to do that. So stuff like that we'll be doing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if, like I say, if people want to go fly fishing, just give us a buzz. We've, we've always got something on the go. and yep. And... It is nice because we've spent, you know, we've we've got a team of about five guys, so we spend a lot of time out on the water and exploring. They're all guys local things. to that, like they're local to the areas that they guide into, which you were saying yeah. today. Yeah, like we're very particular about, you know, Mickey who runs our snowy mountains and um, you know Canberra Bay stuff down there. Like he grew up in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, John Everett, who's doing a lot of our cod stuff up, up in New England, he's he's been in that area. Um, and say Murray Murray Stewart, who's doing all our Blue Mountain stuff now. He li- like at the moment we're doing a lot of guiding out the lakes. He's like five minutes from there. Like Angus in Southern Highlands, um, and Maxie working with us as well. So yeah, like we've got. I, we don't like to go into areas and be like, "Here's a person from out of town about yeah. to be the guide." Like we really want to find local good guides so doing great the time things. There and- yeah, and build trips with them and and help, um, you know, partner with their business and because they're the guys. I always find it quite weird when like people from completely out of town go to somewhere and, like, book a trip with us. I'm like, I don't know, unless the locals do it terribly, which is unlikely, mm. if there's some good local guides, they're the people we'd like to work with because it's, you know, the money's going back into their community, the money, um, and they're going to know the spots. Yeah. It's happy days when the fishing is great, the sun is shining, the weather is perfect. Yep. Most people can get it done. But then when you have... Um, yeah, like you have that bad weather, you want some with a fallback. Yeah. And you know, like some places, there just aren't local guides. Like there's certainly, 
trips we've run and that kind of thing. And, and it's so remote that there's just no one local. So you, yeah. you get fishy people on board and you get it done. Yeah. Um, but where we can, we like to work with local people. And I think that's nice too. It's, yeah, for us, we just end up, I feel like for us, a lot of people we work with, I just consider to be really good friends. Yeah. Like, because that's the way we'd like to work is, it, you know, something could be really profitable, but if I just don't enjoy working with that person, mm-hmm. I, I'm not into it. I, yep. Like I want to, I want to work with people we just have fun with and we enjoy yeah. the process. You don't, it doesn't feel like a job or yeah. you don't feel like, ooh, what's he going to think? And oh, Like totally. you're not yeah, walking on eggshells the whole time. You can yeah. be yourself. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. No, I'm, in a weird sort of way, like, yeah, COVID is screwed up and we're happy to see the end of it. Mm-hmm. But in a weird sort of way, we're ready. Like we're, uh, we've got a couple of boats on order to do some like um, freshwater lake stuff out of New South Wales this, this summer too. Mm-hmm. So... We're just sort of prepping ourselves for a, a year of internal fishing and, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, hopefully things don't get worse and I'm keeping positive. So. We'll keep the Melbourneers out of everywhere else. Ah, oh, bless the Victorians' hearts. It, it's just, yeah, no, I won't go there. <laughs> Good Lord. No, I'm a bit, you know, yeah. we, there's plenty of jokes around the old Mexicans down there, but as a whole, we all need that sorted out to make, um, yeah. to make everything go well again yeah and you know like there's people that we are we're friends with down in victoria that run similar businesses mm. to us and it it does break your heart to see them just we've all been through this up and down this year of like we can go again no yep. we can't we can go again no we can't yeah. and like so many emails we get are like hey are you operating can we come fishing yeah and that's kind of a crap place to be in business where people are questioning yeah if you'd be operating or not, even though we're really active on socials, we're always putting stuff out there, we're making it obvious we're operating, people still feel the need to ask. And I do it too. I ring up a coffee shop and then another day I'm like, hey, just checking if you're open before we come down. I would mm. never do that in the past. Nah. It's just nah. this current climate has made us think that everything's shut down. Yeah. Which it hasn't. Come fishing. Mm. Be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it sounds good. Hopefully we'll get the chance to yeah. wear the line at some stage. Sounds good. Thanks very much for everything. And I'm sure I'll see you around the traps. You'll be back up here eventually. Indeed. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Heath, mate. Cheers.